Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Podcast. You're here because you're a high-achieving woman that wants it all. The success, wealth, time freedom, and genuine joy in your life. Hi, I'm Lauren, and I'm here to tell you, you can. You can have it all. But what is true wealth? It's not just money and achievements because success without happiness and fulfillment isn't success at all. Here, we're going to have conversations about creating a beautiful life alongside the success that you're striving for. If you want to create long-lasting success that's fully in alignment with the life you desire to live by working less, making more, and stepping into the version of yourself you've always wanted to be, then you're in the right place. Let's roll into today's episode. Hello, you guys, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited to have another fabulous guest interview on today. I have Dr. Christy Kadirian joining me, and she is a relationship and dating psychologist, and she's a nationally renowned relationship expert. And I really wanted to bring her on to talk about all things money and relationships, because if you listen to one of the previous podcasts I did on why women should go after wealth, I shared some pretty scary statistics about money in relationships and money and mental health for women. And You know, we talked about how money is one of the main things that couples argue over. Money is one of the biggest stressors in relationships. Money is one of the main things that leads to divorce, unfortunately. And so I wanted to bring Dr. Christie on to really give us some insight on how we can navigate money in our relationships in a really healthy way so that it's something that brings us together, right? And not something that ends up pulling us apart. So Dr. Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. I'm excited to be here. Well, I am. I have been waiting for this podcast interview. I know we had to reschedule it. And so I have been anxiously waiting to talk to you about this and, and really get your insight on this. And I know you have some incredible things you're going to share with us today. So our time is limited. I want to dive right in. And I know the first thing that I would really love for you to kind of share with us is how focusing on the meaning of money for you leads to healthy relationships. What I've seen and just in my own work and background as a therapist is that our beliefs about money go very far back, even to childhood. And you might not really have those conscious memories, but they're definitely implanted within your subconscious. So oftentimes our beliefs about money are really intergenerational. We've adopted them from our parents, our grandparents. If you're in this country, they went through the Great Depression. We have so many of those beliefs that kind of follow through our family lineage. And so it's very important from the get-go to understand where did my beliefs about money come from? How are they rooted in maybe other people's fears and anxieties and beliefs about money? And also sometimes if we saw our own parents and their own conflicts about money, that informed how we approach money. Even sometimes in a lot of the uh, women that I work 
with that are very successful, ambitious, there's that um, belief that, okay, I need to create enough money and wealth and have that independence so that I don't need anybody else because maybe you saw that go poorly in relationships. So as they say, you know, sex and money are never about sex and money. I think that's very true. There's a lot of underlying beliefs about money where it doesn't just come down to, okay, financially budgets, like what does this mean? There's a lot more that has to do with the dynamics in relationship, the power differentials, and then what you really, what the vision for your life and lifestyle looks like and how that differs from your partner. You come into marriage with and relationships with so many different beliefs. This is one that really kind of bleeds into many other areas of your life. So you said it right off the bat. (laughs) We're talking about generational beliefs about money, and I've talked about this a lot. We do tend to pass money beliefs down from generation to generation, and we really learn the majority of what we know about money from watching our parents. And so unfortunately, if you grow up watching your parents argue over money, fight about money, constantly be in this money struggle... That's something that subconsciously you carry with you. And you might think if you've never been exposed to anything else, like that's just the way people are in relationships with money, right? And so we can create this domino effect where we just keep passing these these patterns, these habits down. And, you know, if we are then behaving that way in our relationships with money and we have kids and our kids see that, it's like this, it just keeps going and going and going. So What do you tell your clients? How do you coach your clients through this as they're entering into relationships with money? What are your tips in terms of how do you do this? Like, how do you approach these conversations? Is there a certain way to approach these conversations? If you're already married and you've never really had the conversation, how do you get into that kind of a conversation? And where would you recommend we start? Yeah. So I work with primarily single women. So I really recommend asking as many of these questions before you get married as possible. And you'll be surprised. You know, I I used to do premarital counseling pretty frequently. And sometimes when I would talk around this issue, this was the first conversation we were having about money. And so I'm a huge advocate and proponent of having these uncomfortable conversations before you're in that more serious zone, even before you're in an exclusive relationship, which some people might feel like, well, this is very taboo. Like we really need to talk about these things because what I recommend to my clients, especially their single, very successful women is that if you don't have an aligned vision for your future and aligned values, then that person might not be the right fit for you. And, um, I do believe that even if you have different beliefs around money, you've adopted different, um, you know, beliefs from your parents or fears and past like traumas and things like that. Um, all of the, that could be worked through. So I don't think that there's anything beyond compatibility for you and a potential partner, but it's up to both of you to work through those things so that you can come in a space where you are mostly aligned. Because if your partner's goals are completely opposite of your goals and view of money and how it should be used, that's going to create consistent conflict. And as we know from research, um, conflict around money is one of the top reasons that relationships don't work out and that there's divorce. And I think it's because of 
everything that money represents, as well as what um, it using it as a vehicle for your family, for where we can go um, and where we can't go. So it's kind of like we're all in this car or bus or whatever together. And if we have different beliefs around money, where we're going, how it should be used, then this car is going to be keep going, you know, one way and then we're going to make <laughs> you turn it the other way. We're never going to really get where we want to go, where we feel fulfilled. So I really recommend asking questions ahead of time. So some of the questions to ask are, you know, what type of lifestyle do you see for your family and around what like income level um, or or like, you know, cash flow, whatever that word is for you, what would that, what would you need for that? Now, this also depends on where you live. So some kind of income level in one part of the country or world (laughs) means a completely different thing somewhere else. So this is a great place to start without directly asking someone, so how much money do you make and how much are <laughs> in your savings? It's, this is more around the life we're creating and how we can use money um, and have that money to get where we want to go and not have the money like control us. And so that's the really baseline question that I recommend singles, people in relationships, new relationships, old, like how do you, uh, what do you envision for your life and our life together for to share that? And at what level of income, money, wealth do we need to get there? So it's really, (laughs) yes. So it's really starting with the vision, right? Like what is my vision? What is your vision? Do our visions align? And if they don't align, is there a way that we can adjust or kind of compromise so that they do align? Is it worth it for us to do that? So Ladies, if you're already married and you've never had these conversations before, I think this is a, a great place to start also. Like you yeah. can you can have these conversations now. You can sit down and say, hey, we never had this conversation, but I would like to have this conversation. I would like to kind of focus on this. I'd like to make sure our visions are aligned and make this a priority because I think it's going to release some tension or kind of um, – help so that we don't get into these kinds of arguments moving forward, but it really does come down to vision. And I know one of the things that you talk about is the meaning of money and what is the meaning of money to you? So could you elaborate on that a little bit more? What, what you mean when you say the meaning of money? Yeah. So I think when we think about money, it first of all means so many different things to different people. Is that like your income, like your salary? Is that your paycheck? Is that your wealth and your net worth? And, um, you know, what investments you've made? Um, like, what does that really mean to you? And so I think when we're also talking about this in relationships, I'm really glad that you brought that up is that we're not having direct conversation. So you might say, oh, I've never had this direct conversation, but we fight about money or there's, passive aggressive comments or resentment building every single day, even though we've never been very direct about that. So when you interpret kind of what is my meaning of money? So personally for me, for example, money is really like the vehicle for me to be able to create and live a fulfilled life in multiple ways. So wealth and uh, money are different for me. Wealth is really like you could have wealth in various areas. It's not just Mm -hmm. 
financial. And so uh, if I have all this money in the bank, but I don't feel uh, wealthy as far as like my health goes, I'm not investing in in that in the ways that I want to, or my family or being able to go on vacations or have a certain lifestyle, then I'm not really wealthy. I just, ha- I'm like cash rich or whatever. So yep. <laughs> that are very different things, but people kind of clump them all together. There's a lot of people who have money that don't have wealth in other ways. And so that's one thing um, I was just coaching some of my clients on that. It's like, oh, um, you know, this person has money, they have this property, that property, whatever. But the meaning of that is might be completely different. Like you'll, you'll see, and we all know people that we would consider wealthy that are maybe driving a car. We would, we're like, wait, they can't, that car barely goes down the road. I'm like, why is <laughs> Because their meaning of money might be really different. Like I have a few um, relatives that are older, lived through the Great Depression, have a lot of money, but they still act like they don't have any money. They still act like they are poor living off of 25 cents a week because their meaning of money is like a security that they didn't have. They almost like were on, they were starving on the streets and they're still living in that mentality. So their meaning of money right now is like, we can't spend any because we might be back in that trauma and we need to have that. That is just for survival. If we ever need that, it's not for like living. So really kind of understanding where people are at. It's not about the number in your bank account. It's really like what you view money as doing for your life and then how that builds wealth in different areas. I'm glad you brought up wealth. Well, as you know, the title of the podcast (laughs) is The Wealthy Woman Creating True Wealth in All Areas. So this is so fitting. But I know you wanted to talk about how prioritizing wellness leads to true wealth. So I think this is the perfect segue into that because as you were saying, you know, it's not just about having a lot of money. You can have a lot of money and not be wealthy, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can have a lot of money and not be happy. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And we, and well, we said, we said that everywhere, but I think especially when it comes to your own like wellness and thinking about, okay, what am I using this money for creating wealth in what way? So you might want to use money to create financial wealth. So you will invest or save or whatever. And then you might want to use money to create wellness in other areas of your life. So if you're, I think if like you don't have health, you don't really have wealth. So that health means mental health, um, relational health, physical health, um, so many people will, will tell you, you know, they've, they've done those, um, studies and interview people that were dying on their deathbed or nursing home. And they always say, Oh, like, I wish I didn't work as much or whatever that, that version is. I wish I spent more time with my family. I wish I spent more time investing in my health, those sorts of things. I think, um, we, you know, hear things like that and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we want more money so that we can feel better. But the reality is if we're not, feeling better on our way to making more money or reaching our goals, then um, it's it's counterproductive. It's not like a finish line. Like we have to feel, we have to imbue that into the journey and not just like when I reach this income level, then I'm going to take care of myself or whatever. Yes. So it really is figuring out what are you going to use your money for? Like what kind of wealth is a priority to you? And what kind of a wealth is a priority to your significant other, to your partner? And are do those things match? Or can you, if they don't match, which they might not, can you 
be respectful towards the fact that they don't match? And can you allow them to prioritize that kind of wealth while you prioritize a different kind of wealth? It's how we use money. And I've talked about this a lot. Money really is the middleman. Not a lot of people just want a lot of money, right? They they want what they believe money is going to give them. Mm-hmm. And so we have to figure out, well, what do we want money for? Mm-hmm. And is that in alignment with what our significant other wants money, significant yeah. other wants money for? Because mm-hmm. that's, I think, where there gets to be a lot of arguments is mm-hmm. – well, I want to use money for this. Well, I want to use money for this. And they end up being very different things. And I know my husband and I, we have very different priorities. Well, we have similar priorities when it comes to money and wealth and we have different priorities. So he likes to spend money on things that I could care care less about. And I like to spend money on things that he could care less about. But we have that mutual respect for each other um, that, you know, that makes him happy. That makes me happy. And so- it works, right? Mm-hmm. But there has to be that understanding. And again, we do have a very similar view of money and what we want to do with our money and how much money we want to make. But I love that you talk about what kind of wealth you want to prioritize and really understanding that money is that middleman. And it it is about what are you wanting to use the money for? What do you want the money to do for you? Going back to what is that vision. So I really, really, really want to talk about finances and relationships and ambition. And I know you did a reel on talking about ambitious women recently. And you were talking about how it's not necessarily about the amount of money you make, but matching levels of ambition. So I would love to hear you kind of elaborate on that. Yeah, I think what I've seen um, throughout so many ambitious women that I work with in trying to find love is that oftentimes we they feel like there's no one that matches their level of financial success or career success, whatever that is. So that really limits the pool of people that they're looking for. And so what I really recommend is finding someone, maybe they haven't yet reached that level in their respective industry, because I always talk about that too. I think it's more important that they're kind of accelerating and growing in their particular industry that even the you know the highest level of let's say you're a teacher like the superintendent probably makes the same as the lowest level of someone in another industry so it's not necessarily about the number it's more about them feeling that kind of growth and that they're um, thriving at a specific level as well at equal to you so it's like they're doing their thing they're enjoying it they're growing they don't feel like stagnant stuck or like they're not successful or not thriving in the way that you are. I've seen that create a lot of potential resentment. Um, But especially I think for women, it's about looking at someone who um, is having that same ambition as you, because I think women can tend to feel that resentment. If they're really successful, they're bringing in um, primarily most of the finances. There often is that mother low that we talk about, Um, with if you have kids and and you're parenting and how that sometimes falls on the mom or doesn't, but either way that guilt kind of comes in there. So if you add on top of that, the feeling of resentment that, you know, I'm climbing this ladder, I'm doing all these things and this person just, you know, it's cool chilling on the couch and not doing anything that creates a lot of resentment um, 
and the women that I've seen that are in relationships like that or tend to date people like that. Um, so what I really recommend is looking for someone who matches your ambition level because you don't really know. You might be meeting them at point A in their story and then they might blow up to whatever level because they have that drive and that desire to grow. That's going to match you and you're going to feel that compatibility that we're in this together. We're a team, not I'm you know dragging along this family on my back, basically, which a lot of women tend to feel resentful about. Yes, I have seen that. Often, <laughs> especially once you add kids and if the children, the children tend to be the primary responsibility of the mother or they tend to be the primary parent, you know, when it comes to taking care of kids. And I have seen that, especially if you're very driven and you're used to being successful and making money and then you throw a baby into the mix and then you feel like you're the one who has the majority of the responsibility with the baby and then you see your significant other just go to work and then come mm -hmm. home. And then it's yeah. like all of a sudden you have all of these feelings that are starting to pop up. I know you have a baby, so maybe this is something you went through. I know this is something <laughs> I went through. I have two kids now that are six and four and a half. So we're, we're beyond that stage. We've worked through that, but that was a big thing that my husband and I had to work through when we first had kids as well is kind of what are the expectations for both of us now that there's a child involved? <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And there's actual research that they've done about this in, you know, in, in personally, I, I own my own business. My husband owns my own business. So we were able to kind of work through that in a different way, but there's a lot of research specifically in corporate America about how this takes women so far back in their careers because they are not, <clears throat> Um, can you know women often have that maternity leave that men sometimes don't have the paternity leave and then when they come back they're still kind of taking on the primary load of um, taking care of the kid because oh well we got into that pattern when she was home for maternity leave so we'll just stay in that so now they're working full-time still trying to kind of keep at the same level they were and still doing everything at home and then we see that's where we see kind of men being able to skyrocket in their career and women having to kind of take a few steps back and still try to move forward while having all these different um, demands on their time. So this is so huge, I think, for so many women and why I think they're looking for someone who has that financial like stability and compatibility. So if they do want to kind of take a step back, they at least have that choice and don't have to make those lifestyle sacrifices that they don't want to make. Mm -hmm. It's change you. <laughs> Totally. It's, it's changed you. So I really wanted, and I told you before we hopped on, I really wanted to talk to you about how we can combine finances in our relationships. And I have coached quite a few uh, very ambitious, driven women who are successful on their own, who are married. Their husbands also have a job. And I've seen some very interesting ways that they go about money and combining money or not combining money. And it it's almost like this hyper um, individual, what's the word? It's like this, hyper keep everything separate, which mm -hmm. is fine until it gets to a point where either 
mom can't work as much because now you have a baby and so she's not bringing as much money in. I've seen that then become a really huge, huge issue when finances are completely separate. I've also seen where uh, the wife starts making significantly more money than the husband, but yet they're treating their money as if they were casually dating, right? And those aren't combined. And it's gotten to this point where it's like, it's not serving them anymore to have their finances that way. And yet there's this huge fear of very successful women combining their money with someone else. Mm -hmm. And so I'd love to hear your take on this, on what you recommend, if you recommend anything, (laughs) or how to really navigate this in a relationship when you have a woman who's very successful and she's created her own success out of this fear of having to rely on anyone else. That's really what it comes down to, I've noticed, is this fear of, I don't want to have to rely on anyone else. Like I never want to have to rely on anyone else, but then this, this can create some funky dynamics in your relationship because when you enter a marriage together, you're basically becoming a team and yet you're not really a team when it comes to your finances. Yeah. I've seen this happen. I've seen this very frequently as well. And what I think it comes down to is um, matters around my control. So maybe I think when you are looking into your beliefs around money, um, just that idea of control or someone else having um, control over something you've earned or over you being able to kind of talk through decisions and not just being able to do it everything that you want or your own way, or at least having that like conversation about it. Um, And also just being able to say, kind of keep your power in relationships. I know like historically in patriarchal society, um, men obviously have more power than women. And so oftentimes that feeling of like, okay, if I bring this money to the table or I have this wealth or whatever, and I have control over it, I can use that um, in dynamics that go around power, around choice, around all of those things, and understandably so. So the first thing is like I we understand um, kind of having grace for yourself for wanting to protect and kind of keep that control because of situations in your past or generationally where you did not or women in your family did not have that power and did not have that control. Um, but what we know from research is that um, people that have separate married couples that have separate bank accounts, fully separate. Um, there's a high correlation between that and divorce. And the reason really? why go into that, um, I yeah, did not there's know a that. lot of that correlation, um, that we see from research. And I, I think I have a lot of theories about why that is, but I do think it's because there is that feeling of like, when we're unified in marriage, like what does that actually mean? And so if that doesn't mean that we're one in all of these areas, then where does that stop? (laughs) So it kind of creates even more division, I think, in many different areas. And what I also see, um, I work in attachment theory, is that there's, that creates a lot of what I call like avoidant attachment. So it's like, we're, um, we can just avoid talking about difficult Mm -hmm. things. Like, how we're using the money or not, because we, it's separate. So you do what you want. I do what I want. But then when we go back to what we were talking about in the beginning, vision for our life together, well, if we're both just doing whatever we want with our money, we're not creating that shared vision. It's a lot easier for us to grow apart. So, um, so I think that, you know, um, 
what I usually recommend is working through this um, with a therapist or financial therapist. But what I really recommend is having something that's shared and feels equal, um, whether I know that gets complicated, especially if I work with a lot of people who own their own business or entrepreneurs and what that looks like, but something that's shared that we can kind of grow together. So if that's like we you put the same amount into a joint account, but then you also have separate accounts, if that's um, you know, you do share all of your money, you know, there's a lot of different ways to go about this. Um, sometimes people say, okay, well, we're, we're going to share all of our money. And then if it's above a certain amount that we want to spend on something individually, we talk about it and we have a process to talk through it. So that's really what I would recommend having something that's shared, something that you can work towards, even if it's not all all of your money right away, because that might feel like way too traumatizing if you've had, you know, difficult experiences with that, starting with a shared account, um, deciding like, okay, every month we're putting this much in to cover all the shared expenses. And then we're going to be transparent about other um, things that we also invest in or, or buy separately. That's all really important too. There's something in the field of financial therapy called financial infidelity. And um, this is when people are spending money, um, their own money, but on things that they don't tell their their spouse about. And then this is basically like kind of keeping secrets. So we don't recommend that. <laughs> I think the therapy, like don't recommend keeping secrets in any way, but specifically around finances, that can feel like a betrayal um, also. So I think that there's a lot obviously there, but that's really what I would recommend is having that so that you can grow towards um, having all of that shared, but, but that you can build trust together over time. Wow. I had not heard that statistic before. I am not surprised, but I am so glad that you shared that. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it really comes down to being willing to have those challenging conversations. And money is not the easiest thing to talk about in general. And so I, I see a lot of women avoid those conversations and it made a lot of sense when you were saying it's just, you know, at the beginning, it's just easier. Like, let's just keep it separate. Cause then we don't have to have those challenging conversations. You do what you want to do. I do what I want to do. And that can work. It can definitely work for a while. But again, at some point I have seen where it stops working. And I think the other thing that can lead to that is, you know, if you've been dating for a long time and you were living together and you you had um, your money a certain way um, because you weren't married and then you get married, but nothing really changes because you were already living together and you were already splitting all these things. It can be easy to say, well, let's just keep it how it is because it's yeah. working the way it is. But again, then you're missing out on that. Now we've become one. Now we're a team. Now we are sharing things. And that's where I've seen it really kind of create this negative snowball effect because yeah. you're, you're continuing on as if you weren't married, but you are <laughs> and things yeah. are changing, but yet that's staying the same. Yeah. So yeah. Brings up another point is that cohabitation also has before you're married also has a high correlation with divorce. So now I'm like, I wonder if those are combined. Oh my gosh. Up. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait. So if you live together before you're married, you're more likely to get divorced. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I know that. Yeah, I know. Interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. Oh my gosh. So, um, 
I have another question for you because, well, actually, before I ask that question, I I will share what my husband and I do. I think I've shared this on previous podcasts, but when we got married, we did create a joint account and we have a joint checking account, a joint savings account, and we both work. He makes significantly more money than I do, but everything goes into the accounts together. However, we did keep separate credit cards. And so he has his own credit card. I have my own credit card. And that has actually worked really well for us. Neither of us have had any issues with spending too much or what the other felt like was too much. So there's this mutual respect of you're going to spend your money on what you want to, or you're going to spend on what you want to spend on. I'm going to spend on what I'm going to spend on. We're not going to question each other over these things as long as we don't get into a situation where it's like someone's, you know, kind of taking it too far. And that's worked really well for us where we have that combined, those combined accounts, but then we have the things that are separate where I'm not going onto the credit card bill saying, well, what is this? And what is this? And what is this? And what is this? Right. There's that. I understand you're going to spend on things that I don't get. And you understand that I'm going to spend on things that you don't get. And we're just going to respect each other over that. And that's been something that's worked really, really well for us. And we, we really don't argue over money whatsoever. That's awesome. Yeah. I like that, that approach because I think then it's not like into the weeds of like what you're spending. It's more like, okay, we kind of have a general ballpark of like what we're, we're taking out to pay the credit card, but we can, it can be on whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, oh my husband's going to think like your husband's in your ear. Like he's going to think I bought this thing and it's whatever. Yeah. yeah like there's that. not that like nitpicking of like, well, why yeah. did you buy this? I don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, there always- are times when boxes show up at our front door and I'm like, yeah. what the heck did he buy? But I'm <laughs> guarantee you, he does the same thing to me where he's like, what you, is yeah. she doing? <laughs> so funny. Because we do have different priorities, right? And I think we have to respect the fact that, you know, especially when we're married, that you're each going to have different things that you like to spend money on, different things that you like to prioritize in your life. And no, my husband doesn't really care about clothes. I care about clothes. I don't really care about the things he spends on, but they're very, very important to him. So (laughs) whatever makes each person happy. (laughs) Totally. So the other thing I would love to just kind of touch on before we wrap this up is I would love to hear your kind of your experience with um, owning your own business and creating your own success and then becoming a mom and how that kind of how that's if it's changed you. I believe it's probably changed you because I feel like motherhood changes everybody. But um, especially when you think about money and success. I'd love to kind of just hear how, what that kind of journey was for you, because a lot of my audience are moms and they're working moms. And so they're navigating this as well. Yeah. And I, I think obviously I'm, I'm new into that. My son's almost (laughs) five months old. So I think one of the big things that I've noticed and am still working through is like the identity shift that comes with now being like a mom and what that really means about like who I am and what my priorities are. And I think especially with when um, you're an entrepreneur and um, have a lot of choice in like what you do and why and um, and I think and I I love the new kind of wave of being able to be in online business and kind of do your own thing. And I think for moms, it's an amazing opportunity, especially to not uh, feel limited um, by like, you know, nine to 
five or certain hours or whatever, like you can really have a lot of freedom in a lot of ways. So I've really felt um, fortunate to have that and be able to work from home and it be flexible and um, spend as much time with my son as I want or not. Um, and I think I've noticed how my ambition has really kind of shifted <laughs> with that identity. So I'm like, okay, I would be like, oh yeah, do everything kind of hustle. That was no problem for me. And now I'm, I'm a first time mom, um, at 34, I'm like, oh, okay, like this is all new. And I have to really like be patient with, as that transitions, like what that really means for the wealth, uh, <laughs> the wealth, um, kind of balancing it in different areas. So um, I'm fortunate to have a team and work with people um, under me and like kind of be able to do things that I really like love doing my business and then be able to outsource and delegate other things. Um, and I think like, like focusing just on the time wealth right now with him, as they all say, you know, that time you don't get back. And I always have the belief that I can make, if I lose all my money tomorrow, like I have the ability within me to like recreate that wealth, um, but that you can't really get that time back. So I think I'm balancing more and leaning more into that and saying, okay, like what's really worth my time right now. And I have the, the luxury and ability to do that. Um, and because I've been able to kind of build that wealth through my business and having your own business kind of gives you that sky's the limit and not like, okay, this, I'm not really able to make more if, um, I'm not getting a promotion or whatever as like a lot of corporate, um, jobs or that sort of thing kind of puts that on mom. So I think for me, it's really kind of shifting into time wealth and what, and investing in that with him because I won't be able to get that back, but I can always kind of push the brakes a little bit on my business and then accelerate in other areas, um, when, when I need to. Um, and, and I think all the work that I've done, like previously, and my husband, you know, in our, in our businesses and building the other types of wealth, I think we see that now also as benefiting like our family and the future of our family too. So I think that's important to think about investing in our future generational wealth, not just financially, but in, in all the ways too. Mm -hmm. Did that surprise you? Like going into before you had your son, did you think you would be different? Did you think you would change or did you kind of anticipate like, oh, I'll have him and then it'll just kind of like go back to normal? <laughs> yeah, I think I in some ways did, but um, because I've been, I've wanted to be a mom like my whole life. Um, but I think more so, I think what um, I was more open to, like right before I went on maternity leave, I was like, oh, okay, maybe I should shift a few things in my business or prepare. And then I kind of knew on a gut level, I'm like, I can't really prepare ahead of time, like before he's here, like I, cause I feel like everything could change. Like maybe I I'm going to want to work more. Like, why am I going to batch everything for like six months if I do want to go back into work and, or maybe at certain times I want to kind of lean back. I don't want to just be like off the grid for three months and then come back, um, full force. And, and then maybe I want to kind of have more flexibility with that. So I think I knew, but I don't think emotionally, I, I really knew what that would feel like on that level. So I think that, um, I think it's good that I, I'm able to kind of create that like in a scaled way, but then like the business, but then also have that, um, being attuned to kind of what my needs are and, and how I'm going to go about kind of parenting moving forward. Cause I, I'm sure you're, you know, um, it's like every stage brings different challenges. So I think checking back into, okay, how am I building 
this wealth time-wise financially, you know, and, and what area, I think it's more of like a harmony and a balance. It's not like everything's going to be at a hundred all the time anymore. Yes. Like what before I had him. <laughs> <laughs> so the, you brought up a really good point. And I think, um, I would love to hear if there was or has been any fear around kind of slowing down a little bit, because I know that that is a very common thing for Mm -hmm. women to feel. I felt it in motherhood. I continue to feel it some days, even though my kids are older now, but I have, so I said, my kids are six and four. I I was never a a baby person. So the baby phase was challenging for me. And I actually really liked working during that phase because it gave me something else. Now my kids have gotten to this, this stage where we can go out and do a lot of really fun things. And I found myself wanting to prioritize that even more, which this year has looked like taking a little bit of a step back in my business. And you said something that was so on point. You said, I can always make more money. And I truly believe that. And I truly believe there's a time and a place for everything. But has there been any fear on your part of like, okay, I'm saying I can always make more money and I've created this really successful business, but what what would happen if I slowed down? Can I really do that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great um, question that I'm still kind of (laughs) navigating (laughs) now because I feel like although I've, I've, pump the brakes in some areas, it's not been in like the needle moving area. So I think for me, it's maybe been more of like a prioritizing thing and not to the point of like shutting it all down. But I know, and I've worked with many moms and I'm like, I'm in some masterminds with moms that like, if you do push it too much and burn out, then that comes to the point where you're like, okay, I just, it all has to shut down. So <laughs> I think I'm very cognizant of like taking that that day by day and then asking myself, okay, like, where's that level of like, okay, I can kind of manage this and feel good about it. Or I'm leaning towards like burnout or resentment, either of my business because taking me away from him or of him because I feel like, okay, I'm changing everything here. Um, But I, I do have that fear in some ways more from like a brand perspective, less from like a financial perspective. Cause like I'm in the middle of like writing a book and doing like speaking and like things on that level that if I was like, okay, I'm going to throw that all away. (laughs) um, That would be a problem with my (laughs) contracts and things like that. So I think that, I think it's really about managing like my internal world and process and figuring out okay, like what's important, like what's the best thing I can do right now? Not just like, okay, these are all great things to do. Um, and I'm going to do all of them because I'm used to doing that. And I, I think that that will move it forward and really kind of taking a step back and looking at the numbers and seeing, okay, what's actually going to be the most important things that I, I know know that if I'm spending time doing this, then that's going to kind of move me forward versus mm-hmm. just like doing everything um, mm-hmm. or delegating, which is hard for me. <laughs> but my my perspective right now is like, I'd rather delegate everything else and spend time with my son um, than delegate that part and do all these like things that other people on my team can do <laughs> because mm-hmm. I'm And it's a constant journey and it's a constant process and a constant reevaluation. And sometimes you're completely thrown for a loop with how you feel and you didn't think you would feel that way. And other Mm -hmm. times you're not. Other times you're like, yeah, I I feel like we're in a we're in a good zone. But I think, again, you talking about how you can always make more money and how there are all these areas, different areas of wealth, right? Like 
many people would argue that time wealth is the most important, right? Like people would choose time over money. Most people would choose time over money in a heartbeat. And so it really is looking at, you know, we are talking a lot about money, but I think it's a really important conversation to have along with money to talk about time freedom and how you have this belief that you can always make more money and there's always going to be time to do that. And I have that belief as well. There's infinite amounts of time to do all the things that we want to do. And I I truly believe that when we approach life that way, um, we're able to do all of the things that we want to do and not kind of hustle and rush and, and then look back and be like, wow, I wish, you know, I wish I would have spent more time doing this and I wish I wouldn't have pushed myself so hard. And we have those regrets. So I love that. And thank you for entertaining those questions. I know we didn't talk about that, but the conversation kind of went that way. And so I I, I loved hearing your perspective on that. So I would love for you to share with uh, the ladies who are listening where they can find you, what you've got going on so that they can connect with you outside of this podcast. Because I know personally, I love following you on Instagram. I, I love seeing all of your tips and your advice on relationships and dating. And um, I, I would love to have you share where they can connect with you. Yeah, sure. So uh, my website is therapyfordating.com. And um, at the place I hang out most is Instagram. You find me at the date Dr. Christie uh, for all my dating and relationship stuff. And I also um, am a business coach for therapists. So um, I talk about that side and more like business, money, all of that stuff on my other account, which is Thriving Therapist. So you can find me there. I'll, I'll give it to you, Lauren, for the show notes. <laughs> awesome. Yes, you guys, I will include all of that in the show notes. Christy, thank you so much for coming on. I have loved this conversation. I know that some of the tips you shared are going to be so useful to all the ladies who are listening. So thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. I loved this conversation. (laughs) Okay, you guys, well, we will talk to you at our next episode. Bye. Okay, you wealthy woman, real quick before you go, if you found value in today's episode, please subscribe, share this with your friends, and leave me a review. Leaving a review is so simple, but I didn't know how to do it at the beginning either, so I'm going to walk you through it. All you have to do is, whatever app you're listening to this podcast on, find this show, The Wealthy Woman, scroll down, you'll see stars, and with those stars, you can leave me a rating and review. I'd love you so much for taking the time to do this. In all honesty, the reviews are what help the podcast get into the hands of other women desiring to create true wealth and manifest their dream lives. Okay, I'll let you get back to your day. See you next time.